Welcome to The Sugar Science, where uh, we are very interested in highlighting and showcasing uh, young researchers in type 1 diabetes research. And we have the distinct pleasure of speaking to Laia Gomez-Munez. She's a PhD student in Barcelona at uh, IGDP. I will let her say that uh, out loud and in a, in a, better, in a better way. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you say it, Laia? Yes, Germans Trias y Pujol Research Institute or IGTP, yes. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds much uh, more beautiful when you say it. Um, and so she's been doing some really interesting uh, research, uh, and I've, I'm here to actually talk to her about, you know, this, uh, her, her newest paper where she came out as first author, which is so exciting. Um, her paper was NK cell subsets changes in partial remission and early stages of pediatric type 1 diabetes. That came out January 25th, 2021 in Frontiers Immunology. So congratulations, Leah. That's really a fantastic paper. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited about it. And I just want to thank you and all your team for this amazing initiative, because I think it's very important to connect researchers on type 1 diabetes and be able to share our work. Well, we totally agree. Um, I wonder, you know, if can you talk a little bit about what led you to study type 1 diabetes? Yes. Uh, so during my degree studies, I was fascinated about immunology and how the immune system is like perfectly coordinated to protect us against any hazard. But most of all, um, how something that is uh, made to protect us can be put against us in autoimmune diseases. So I soon knew that I wanted to specialize in this field and gain more knowledge in self recognition, tolerance, uh, immunotherapies. So that's why I decided to study type 1 diabetes because it's an organ specific uh, autoimmune disease uh, that mainly affects children and also their families. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's really what brought you there. And what is the focus of your lab in Barcelona? So we have a different research line. So the main research line is the development of an immunotherapy to prevent and arrest type 1 diabetes and other autoimmune diseases as well. Uh, so the immunotherapy is based on liposomes that mimic apoptotic cells and that contain uh, autoantigens inside, so for instance, uh, the insulin peptide, in yeah. order to promote tolerogenic dendritic cells and arrest the immune attack. Uh, so in the last years, we have uh, improved these liposomes and test them in different experimental uh, models uh, of autoimmune diseases and with uh, successful results. And then we try to combine this immunotherapy with a drug that um, regenerate beta cells because apart from arresting the tumor attack, I think it's important to restore the lost beta cell mass. Yeah, um, Then yeah, the group is um, trying to understand also the pathogenic mechanisms behind autoimmunity uh, with uh, an special attention in prenatal environmental factors that may affect uh, the development of type 1 diabetes. And the research line that I am working on uh, aims at identifying peripheral biomarkers of partial remission phase in pediatric patients with type 1 diabetes. So um, that is because in the last year, several uh, clinical trials with immunotherapies have been performed, but with 
limited mm, long-term success, and that could be partially explained by the lack of an optimal stage for immune interventions. Yeah. And the partial remission could be a good one. Um, I don't know. So do you want me to explain yeah. the partial no. remission a little bit? Yes. Let's talk about partial remission and then we're going to dig into your paper. Okay. So this partial remission, it's uh, also known as honeymoon phase, the honeymoon phase. And it occurs in 60-80% of children after the diagnosis and the initiation of the insulin therapy. And it's by a decline in the need for exogenous insulin and a better glycemic control. Yeah. So it has been proposed that the mechanisms behind this partial remission phase are um, like a transient tolerance to beta cells autoantigens that may lead to the partial recovery and regeneration of beta cells. Yeah, and how so, can you how can you extend that transient tolerance? Right? Is that that's a bit million dollar question? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be very interesting to expand this partial remission phase forever. I think that actually there are cases of uh, patients with type one diabetes with uh, prolonged remission phases. Uh, um, so we hypothesize that these metabolic and immunological changes during the partial remission phase could be reflected in the form of peripheral biomarkers. Yeah. And they will help us to characterize better this phase. Yeah, that's a great idea, a great hypothesis. And where are you in that work? Have you been able to identify uh, any or are you just starting out on the project? Yes, we are um, working on right now on the project. So um, the paper, it's linked to the first objective that aims at identifying changes in immune cells populations during different stages uh, of the progression of type 1 diabetes in pediatric patients. So we have analyzed different immune cell subsets, including the NK cells. Yeah, and so if we sort of, you know, Let's dive a little bit into this paper. Again, I just want to, you know, headline it. It's uh, NK cell subsets, changes in partial remission in early stages in pediatric type 1 diabetes. I would encourage everyone to read this. It's really interesting. But in the paper, you Thank just you. have four subsets of NK cells. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so in human peripheral blood, NK cells are characterized by the like of CD3 and the expression of the cell adhesion molecule CD56. Yeah. So depending on the cell surface density of CD56 and the expression or not of CD16, NK cells can be divided into different subsets. Um, actually, I think it has been described until six or seven different subpopulations of NK cells with uh, single cell technologies. But mm -hmm. uh, with our panel, we were able to analyze four subsets. So uh, comprising the 90% of circulating NK cells, the first one are effector NK cells, which have a potent cytotoxic activity. Yeah. Then uh, the remaining 10% are is formed uh, mainly of regulatory NK cells, which are not cytotoxic, but they secrete uh, different cytokines, including the immunoregulatory ones. And then the other two subsets are intermediate NK cells, uh, which are an intermediate stage of maduration between uh, regulatory and effector NK cells. 
Yeah. And then the last one are NK cells, which expresses uh, low CD56, so CD56 DIM, and do not express CD16. And they are not fully characterized in autoimmune diseases, but it has been observed that they are more abundant in the bone marrow of healthy subjects, and they can have also uh, a cytotoxic uh, antitumoral response. I think this is very important work that you're characterizing, you know, basically these subsets and their presence uh, at these different time points. You know, can you talk a little bit about the kinetics of NK cells in the blood and the stages of T1D? Yes. Uh, so we analyze uh, the frequency and numbers of these four subsets of NK cells during uh, disease progression. So at different disease stages, including the onset of the disease, the partial remission phase, uh, the absence of the partial remission phase at eight months, and then uh, 12 months of disease progression. So we found that total ineffector NK cells are decreased at all disease stages in comparison to the control group, and but um, especially during the first months after type one diabetes onset. So uh, then, Intermediate NK cells were decreased, especially during the partial remission phase. Uh, and by contrast, regulatory NK cells were increased at this stage. So that might reflect uh, an attempt at immune regulation during this uh, autoimmune attack. And then the last subset, the CD56, the C16 negative NK cells, uh, increased with disease progression, especially at 12 months. And um, we suppose, uh, or we, yeah, uh, that um, it could reflect a higher migration of these cells from the bone marrow to the periphery, uh, or possibly the pancreas, where they could exert their cytotoxic activity against beta cells. Yeah, I, I and in your your population that you studied, um, these were predominantly uh, young, um, you know, young people progressing to diabetes yes. was this sort of a subset, right? Yes, uh, we analyzed a, a pediatric population age uh, uh, four to 18 years old because yeah, we wanted to uh, focus on uh, these patients because uh, they are the, the most used uh, population in clinical trials and because uh, immunotherapies are applied most of all after the disease onset and yes. And I, so let's just talk about like, how would you like to create, how would you imagine creating some NK biomarkers and scaling that? So, I mean, you can imagine that, okay, some people that are going to be heading towards uh, a diabetes diagnosis, uh, pediatric patients, mm -hmm. some of these people, right? They they may have the NK biomarkers and some may not. So it would be really important, right, to identify who has these NK biomarkers and then maybe design a trial with those specifically, yeah. right? So how, how, um, how do you think you're, or just sort of, uh, how do you imagine, you know, addressing that and scaling it? Yeah, it's kind of complicated because uh, <laughs> a good biomarker, um, like should reflect variations of the immune response over the disease progression. And it needs to have a reproducible and a specific detection method. And 
Um, also, it should be easy to obtain with minimum risk for the patient. Uh, and yeah. that's why we use peripheral blood samples in this case. So to create like a good NK biomarker, um, I think that we should analyze not only the frequency and numbers of N different NK cells in peripheral blood, but also um, their functionality and phenotype. Uh, for instance, if during the partial remission phase, and these NK cells um, express uh, higher levels of interleukin 10 or as less cytotoxic, or how is the expression of their activating and inhibitor receptors just to have like a complete picture of everything, not just the frequency, because sometimes it's difficult to interpret what is happening just by looking at the numbers in the peripheral blood. So yeah. additionally, I think that it could be also a good approach to analyze the pancreas also, <laughs> and their limitations, but it would be helpful to just link the events in the periphery with uh, what is happening in the targeted tissue. Yeah, and maybe maybe there's a way to um, collect some, you know, EVs in the blood or, or examine them or even in sort of, I, I don't know, it, it would have to be a really careful study, but to coordinate, you know, what's going on. It's almost like you have a menu of um, NK cell um, that you want to look at, the different NK cells, you want to look at them and what's happening to them at different, you know, uh, time time periods. Um, so how could you, how does that scale? It is challenging. It's very challenging, but yes. I think, you know, I think somebody might be able to, uh, some young scientists might be able to address it. We'll see. <laughs> um, and I wondered, you know, I shared with, uh, with you a couple of these papers. Uh, they were kind of interesting. You know, there was a one paper that was in clinical diabetes from 2017, a warts on the fingertips in a pediatric patient with type one diabetes, another paper. Um, natural killer cells, the first defense against human papillomavirus in early infection from January 2017 from the Journal of Public Health and Emergency. And we also uh, talked a little bit about this one from J Allergy Clinical Immunology, 2006, August, recalcitrant warts associated with NK cell dysfunction and treated with systemic IFN alpha. And that was kind of interesting. You know, um, you know did any patients that you had in your cohort show, uh, who showed NK deficits, show any uh, signs of recalcitrant warts? Because um, it, it seems that uh, some that do have an NK deficit. Um, yes, uh, none of our patients presented uh, recalcitrant warts. Um, but I, uh, we believe that actually the reduced NK cell frequencies in the periphery maybe it's not due to a deficit in the production, but maybe to a higher migration to the pancreas. Mm. And uh, we cannot certainly know what is happening just with this analysis, but uh, we believe that because um, first, NK cells um, have an innate capacity to migrate to the pancreas in healthy subjects, uh, as well as in response uh, to inflammatory signals. Mm. And then it has been described also that the reduction of NK cells in the periphery at type 1 diabetes onset is often correlated with an activated phenotype in yep. terms of um, interferon gamma secretion. And these alterations are not observed in individuals with 
uh, long-standing uh, uh, long type 1 diabetes. Yeah. So if it was like a, actually an NK-cell deficiency, I think we would observe that along the, the progression. And also because our previous evidence also showed that NK cells uh, infiltrate uh, the islets of exp in experimental models and they can be cytolytic for beta cells. And they are also responsible for accelerated type 1 diabetes. So for us, it just makes sense that uh, this reduction just reflect the higher migration to the pancreas. So I don't know if it's uh, a deficiency in, in our cohort or yeah. type 1 diabetes patients. Right. I know. It's just sort of a, it was an interesting series of articles and, you know, it just was an interesting sort of thought experiment, like what's going on, you mm -hmm. know, it, and maybe it's just in, you know, a very select subset of, of diabetes patients where, you know, they mm -hmm. do develop these awards, who knows? What do you think sort of um, just throwing it out there, you know, <clears throat> what do you think is really at the heart of this, uh, this NK, you know, issue? Um, and the impact on islet autoimmunity? Hmm. So um, in general, or do you mean in relation to these papers? Or? In relation to, you know, I think in relation okay. to your paper, you know, what's sort of the next set of experiments hmm. you're gonna do? Um, I don't know, because NK cells in this case, um, the deficiency of effector NK cells um, were related to the presence of these uh, warts in the fingertips of the patient. So it is clear that NK cells are needed for the credence of viral infections and they are super important. Uh, in, the, in these papers, um, the patients were, were, one patient was treated with interferon alpha and that restored uh, the, the frequency of effector NK cells that were diminished uh, at the beginning. Yeah. And they recovered the, the activity and also the words disappeared. So I think that in this patient, uh, what was lacking was the source uh, of the stimulus of the interferon alpha, because after giving it to the patient, uh, NK cells were totally functional and they started to produce um, interferons, uh, etc. So in the case of type 1 diabetes, I think that NK cells uh, plays an important role in the autoimmune attack when they are activated. So I think that the inflammatory environment of the pancreas uh, activate these cells and they are cytotoxic for beta cells. So yes, I think that what we have found that regulatory NK cells are increased in this peripheral blood and during the partial remission phase may reflect an attempt at immune regulation during this is during the chronic autoimmune attack. And I think that this is uh, interesting because people always focus on NK cells in general, uh, the cytotoxic effect, but we should analyze these uh, specific subsets because they can give us uh, clues about what is happening. And <clears throat> if you were to speculate, which I know scientists hate to do, but um, if you were to speculate and think, you know, what was, what is the first point of um, uh, attack or autoimmunity on the, on the beta cells, uh, which cell would you implicate? Which one of the subset or would you not? <laughs> Big question. 
<laughs> yes, I think it's just an interplay between a lot of cells. So obviously, um, islet-specific cells are the ones that attack with the cells. And um, but I think that innate uh, innate cells are also important. For instance, there is this work uh, that shows that the Coxsackie virus infection in the pancreas. Um, like attract NK cells, and that was uh, the trigger factor for type 1 diabetes. So obviously, yeah. they have uh, an important role. I don't know which is the, the first one, or I think that it's, uh, yes, it's uh, an interplay between, yes. <laughs> yeah, we need more experimentation needs to be done. Yeah, but the yes. Coxsackie virus has really been implicated. And I mean, I guess you could, you know, uh, as uh, setting the stage for the dysfunction. And then, you know, you know, maybe these NK cells are just trying to do their job. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be very interesting um, to see, uh, you know, what your lab comes up with next and, and where, you know, the, the next set of uh, research comes uh, um, from on these NK cells. And I'm, I'm certain uh, that your lab is uh, going to show some interesting results in the next uh, months and year. Thank you. Um, and I guess I would ask one last thing, and that is, um, what are your plans? Uh, you know, are you going to continue this work? Are you just compelled by it, or, or where where do you see yourself in uh, you know in the next year or so? Yes. So, uh, as I said before, this is like the first aim of our work. So now we are going to study um, different cytokine profiles in plasma of these pediatric patients. So both anti-inflammatory and immunoregulatory cytokines such as interleukin-10 or TGF-beta. And then the biggest part of the project is to analyze the microRNAs profile also in this cohort during these disease stages and see if the upregulation or downregulation of these microRNAs uh, can give us clue about what is happening also, or if they are related to immunoregulation due to this partial remission phase, uh, because they are related to a lot of uh, biological processes. And so, yes, basically that. Um, obviously, a, that's a uh, lot of this work. Is, uh, our work is a pilot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the main limitation is the the small sample size that we have, uh, because in a year we could recruit like between 15 and 20 patients here in our hospital. So it could be nice to have a larger cohort and validate our results in, in yeah. In, in yeah, and I would just mention here that, um, you know, the T1D exchange based out of Boston is doing this on a regular basis. I wonder if there'd be some way that uh, you guys could coordinate with them um, and get access to blood samples. Um, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But um, they they do have yeah, a wonderful. It would be, yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> yeah, they have a huge reach into their patient population. Maybe you guys should reach out to them. Mm -hmm. And I asked you about next steps, really, because I it looks like it sounds like such a fun exper a set of experiments and really interesting research. And I wondered, uh, are you? Uh, is your team looking for uh, new graduate students, new postdocs? I mean, are you guys hiring? Uh, 
Um, yes, uh, well, right now we are not hiring. Um, we have like new projects going on and we are pending on funding and that stuff. And so, yes, right now I'm the only PhD student, a student right now, but um, maybe in the next years uh, we will more PhD study students. Yeah, well, it sounds like a really interesting project and um, you know, I would encourage um, those of you who are listening who are interested in it to reach out to Leia uh, as a member on the Sugar Science and connect with her in our, uh, basically on our internet, our science uh, connecting uh, membership, which is private and you can have a private conversation, ask her more about her work. Uh, but again, thank you so much, Leia, for talking to us from Barcelona. This has been a pleasure and really interesting work. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much, Monica, for having me today. Mm -hmm.